<laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus. It is great to be back. Um, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is good. Oh, hallelujah. Let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you again for just the time of worship we had and now a time to be into your word. Jesus, we thank you that your word is settled in heaven, that it's not changeable despite our opinions. It is firm and it lasts forever. So I pray, Holy Spirit, uh, that you would just uh, illuminate, uh, instruct us this afternoon as we spend time in your word, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, like I said, it's great to be back. We had an interesting trip to Florida. Uh, you know, our, I don't know if some of you guys know, but our, on the way down in Nice with the kids, the transmission blew out in Georgia. So it was a pretty rough ride for the Nice that first week. Um, but the Lord really set some things up. It was wonderful. Uh, how at the end, we saw how he kind of orchestrated everything for us to be able to share and just love on her father. Um, because if the car would have been fixed, we would not have been able to share with him. So it's interesting how in the midst of what seems to be such a bad thing, God is preparing a door to embrace someone who know, needs to know him. So today I'm going to talk about every Christian being an evangelist. Yes. And I... Really feel like it's interesting because I was praying, praying about what to share, and, and the Lord just kept bringing me back to this. And I was like, man, Lord, I'm not even an evangelist. Maybe an evangelist should share on this message. But uh, he challenged me to share this word with you guys. So let's go to Acts chapter 8. We're going to start there today. Verses 1 through 3 first. Just a little, this is a little bit of a background on what's going on. Now Saul was consenting to his death. Now this is speaking of Stephen's death. He's been stoned to death for, his, for him preaching the word of God. And at that time a great persecution arose against the church, was that, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation for him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house, Drying it off men and women, committing, the, committing them to prison. Verse 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere, preaching the word. And it's interesting how, you know, our church specifically is going through transitions. Uh, some are tough transitions. Some of them are like more of a joyous transition. Um, but it's interesting here, we read in the scriptures, in the midst of heavy persecution, Saul being the main spearhead of the persecution of the church, we see that as they were scattered, they're preaching the word. And many times we find ourselves in the midst of persecution and just going to transition, being focused on ourselves. Being focused about what we need to do and what's going on with us, when it's actually an opportunity for us to preach the word of God to people. These, this, this new church, this newfound church in the book of Acts, you see the, the type of personality they have. They're like, man, we're, we're being persecuted. We're really, you know, 
We are running away from our homes. We're leaving. I mean, this is discomfort. I mean, this is not a great situation for them. But in the midst of all that, they are preaching the word of God. So it was a really challenging first point to me that the Holy Spirit brought up. Because listen, in the midst of transition, you've got to be preaching the word. So let's read on. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which, which he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed, and lame, and the lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Now, we want to scroll down. And you see now, Philip goes down, and he's preaching the word of God. There's this revival happening. I mean, this is it's popping. People are getting saved. Multitudes are coming. I mean, this is an awesome environment. And I can't imagine, you know, the healings, the, the signs and wonders. But let's read down to verse 26, what it says. Now, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down uh, toward the south. Go down to, to Jerusalem, to Gaza. This is desert. And it's interesting how you've you got to understand the context. Philip was preaching. There's revival going on. And the angel of the Lord comes and says, hey, bro, I want you to leave this place. You know, and it's interesting. Many times, you know, the, 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 the sensitivity we need to have for the Holy Spirit, of the Spirit, because most people would say, man, that can't be Jesus. I'm preaching the word of God. There's signs and wonders. Why would I want to leave this place? <laughs> this, is, this is the place. And God say, no, I want you to leave and go to basically a deserted place. And the Bible says in the next verse, so he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the, Ethiopia, of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit uh, said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So we're just talking about, you know, Sam's exhortation about waiting on the Lord. I really believe the part of waiting on the Lord is developing, developing a sensitivity to him. You know, uh, to really know when to move. There's no coincidence that God is telling Philip to leave the revival to go to a place, to run into a dude who's actually reading the book of Isaiah. And look what he's reading. This is pretty wild. I'll, I'll scroll down to verse 31. It says, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his shears is silent, so he opened out his mouth. I mean, this is specifically talking about Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53. Look at the timing of this situation. Sometimes, again, we find ourselves not being sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit when God's after souls. I mean, it's about 5 o'clock today. Yeah, we're about 5 o'clock right now. And at this time, we've had numerous, numerous people that are going to hell. Just today, multitudes of people have died and are entering into the presence of God to be with him forever. And there's a multitude that are going to be in hell today. One of the things that we, we have to understand as a community that the church has a purpose. It has a goal. Jesus is a soul winner. Andrew Murray once said, there's two classes of Christians. The soul winner 
and the backslider. And for us, we have to understand the realities that God doesn't give us his Holy Spirit just, just to give us goosebumps. In John 15, it says that the Spirit was given to testify of Jesus. The Spirit comes to declare who Jesus is. This is what he's talking about in John 15, 25. The Spirit is coming to testify of me, and you're going to be my witness as well. So one of the things we have to understand is we're living in an age where when we go through transitions, like the church was going through, this is serious stuff. People are getting killed. This is no joke. This is not my tra- transmission blowing out. This is somebody losing their house, losing their wife, losing their job. They're losing everything. But they're preaching the Word of God. We're not going to stop preaching because this is the reality. We're going to preach the Word of God. And in the midst of this, Philip, and he's a deacon, he talks about this in Acts chapter 6, along with Stephen. He's there, he's there, one of the guys that they appointed to serve tables, <laughs> serve food. He has the sensitivity enough to be a man. I'm in this revival meeting, things are going well, but God tells me to go. And most people wouldn't do that. He leaves and he runs into this eunuch who's in charge of the treasury of the queen of Ethiopia. Now, one of the reasons why we need to be sensitive is because we don't know who God is sending, sending us to. And what kind of impact that person may have to opening the gospel in other areas. Listen, this is Ethiopia. Back then, there's probably not a real open door to the gospel in northern Africa. The gospel is advancing. Why would God choose this man? Well, he's a man of great authority, a great influence. And he sets Philip up right in his path while he's reading the book of Isaiah. Don't you think God could set you up to run into people who need Jesus? Because a sensitive heart, God is looking for people who have developed a sensitive heart so that God will bring you to the person he's been preparing. He's been preparing this this eunuch. Someone once said, God works on the soul winner and he works on the sinner. And as he's working on the soul winner, he's also working on the sinner and he's trying to set them up for an encounter. You think about um, Peter and Cornelius. Peter gets this, you know, vision about being able to eat anything and and everything is not, he thought everything was unclean. And God says, no, this is, this is common. This is clean, Peter. And he's getting this vision and he's trying to understand why he's getting this vision. He's like, what is this vision about? And at the same time, Cornelius, who's a Gentile, is getting a vision about him being, him needing to go and see Peter. So God is dealing with the soul winner, Peter. He's dealing with his, basically his racism, his issues. Because he would have never preached to a Gentile before. So God's dealing with him. And he's, you know, he's getting liberated as God's dealing with him. And then he's dealing with Cornelius. And he goes, man, we're going to have a Holy Ghost encounter in a few minutes. All of a sudden, Peter and Cornelius meet. Peter preaches the word of God. And then the Holy Ghost falls as he's preaching. Think about the woman at the well. Jesus takes the long way, the way that most people wouldn't go, Samaria, to a city called Sychar, or Sikar, whatever you want to call it. He's dealing with the Samaritan woman that back then these people would never even talk to. But here he is preaching the gospel to her, revealing himself to her. And you know, she's open to it. She's ready to hear the truth. And God's dealing with her. And obviously she, now he sent her a soul winner, Jesus Christ himself. To the point where now she goes back, the whole city invites him over, and now the whole city's one for Jesus Christ. 
So this principle goes all over the Bible. The issue is for us, if you are a believer, you are the soul winner. It's not the job of the evangelist, even though there's a role for the evangelist to preach the gospel. Yes, there's pastors and teachers, there's apostles and prophets. Yes, but every Christian fundamentally is an evangelist. Paul tells Timothy, do the work of evangelists. Fulfill your ministry. Because I tell you right now, one of the reasons why growth is stunted in the church is because people stop preaching and witnessing to people. And they think that somehow they're going to grow apart from declaring the truth to people. When this is part of how you grow. This is how you get challenged. You think about even the people in this room who share the gospel to see people. People come in, there's newborn babies. Now you've got to deal with these newborn babies. You're like, oh my God, Jesus, what did I do? Now this person has so many issues. But guess what happens out of that? You are challenged to go to God. And get from him the bread that, that person needs to grow. And a greater dependence is developed in your life on the Holy Spirit. And it all begins with you preaching, sharing your testimony, sharing the truth to that person. That person gets born again. Well, we've got to take care of them now. Just kind of leave them to the curb. So your growth is tied to your evangelism. You can't avoid that. You can't cut that off and just say, I'm going to just, just grow with Jesus and it's just going to be me. This is not the way it works. <clears throat> so you don't know who, where God is going to take you. I heard of, I might have shared this story before, uh, maybe to the house church, uh, about Mr. Kimball, a shoe clerk who, late 1800s, is sharing the gospel to a 19-year-old uneducated teenager. He's, he's scared to share the gospel with him. He's an older guy, but he finally does. And this dude, you know, gives his life to Jesus Christ. This dude happens to be Dwight L. Moody. Dwight L. Moody goes overseas, preaches the gospel, because he says, man, this is good news. Listen, what we have is good news. What we have is good news. Listen, let me give this new to you yesterday before I finish the story. If you heard of a woman who sent her son overseas to fight in a war, and, he, you know, the news came back, your son died. She is devastated, man. This is horrible news. This is bad. She's devastated. And about two weeks later, the captain of the army says, hey, man, I got some good news. He's alive. Man, how many of these people would love to run over to tell this mother who this whole time has heard the, the bad news about the good news? We'd line up. People would be like, man, I want to do that because I'm tired of hearing the bad news, right? I'm tired of Imagine those guys who are, their job is to go to that person's house and tell the, the parents, like, your son is dead. It's a horrible job. But you would think in that situation, that person would be running to do it. Because I got some good news to share with that person. See, we have good news. They are dead. The sinner is dead. We have good news to share with them. We should be enthusiastic about the good news. Unless we're sharing some weird message that is in the gospel. So let me finish the story about Dwight L. Moody. So he goes over and he preaches in England and he preaches to this man named F.B. Meyer, a real educated man. And, you know, he's just like one of those that thumb, you know, just like this, just looking at him like, oh, Jesus. Because, you know, Dwight L. Moody was not a very educated, educated person. As a matter of fact, his last letter had 38 grammatical errors in it. So he wasn't at all very educated. But he goes and preaches the gospel. 
And F.B. Meyer goes to one of his ladies in his church and says, hey, how are you doing? How are things going? She goes, man, I thank God for Mr. Moody. Since he's been here, I've won every one of my children to Christ. And he got convicted. He was, she was a school teacher. He got convicted. He's like, oh, my gosh, what have I been doing? So he got convicted. God changed his heart. He, he comes back over to the United States to preach the gospel. So as he's doing that, this other brother gets saved. I forgot what his name was who starts a huge evangelistic ministry. And then he's, he is he's getting older. He decides to give up his ministry to Billy Sunday. You know who Billy Sunday is? He's basically the equivalent of who Billy Graham is today, of another generation. So Billy Sunday is just rocking. I mean, he's going around. I mean, he's the equivalent of Billy Graham. So he goes to North Carolina. They do prayer meetings there. They start a little revival in North Carolina. He leaves. And they're praying in North Carolina for a revival. And they're praying, man, God, bring revival back. So God answers their prayer. And this man comes, Mordecai Ham, to preach in North Carolina. And as he's preaching, there's this young teenager in the choir in the back who's just trembling and hearing the word of God. And he gives his life to Jesus Christ. That is Billy Graham. Listen, you may not understand... How, how important it is for your heart to be sensitive to the direction of the Holy Spirit. You could have a harvest of souls. I mean, I, I was funny. We went to Babatunde's uh, barbecue, and uh, a sister came up to me. I hadn't seen her in a while. And she's like, man, Jose, I want to thank you for this word you gave my friend a year ago. I, I don't know who this woman is. I was like, uh, don't, don't ask me to tell you what the word was because I have no idea what, what I share with you. So she's, no, she goes, no. Nah. She goes, but the woman now, because of the word you gave her, everything has come to pass. What the spirit gave her, not me. Everything has come to pass. And she's now witnessing the Muslims, leading Muslims to Christ. I have an inheritance in the Muslim world. Come on. Come on. I was like, are you telling me that I got, I got some, come on. But this is, this is the key here. This is why the scriptures are so awesome. Philip is just following the Spirit. He's not allowing a good situation to keep him from, going, from obeying God. Because there's some good times God puts you in. And in the midst of that, God says, go, get out of it. He says, get out of it, Philip. I know there's revival, healing, signs and wonders, but you've got to go down to Ethiopia. You've got to go to this deserted place because this is a critical moment here. You, you don't want to miss this opportunity. Because this is what happens many times. We miss opportunities that God has set up for us. These opportunities are so critical because this is what keeps the fire burning. This is what keeps us, our hunger burning. Man, I want the next encounter. And if you keep reading after Philip finishes with this guy, look, look, look at this. This is pretty wild. Uh, and I'm going to go back to some other scriptures here, but I'm going to jump ahead real quick. And he says... So in verse 38, so he commanded the chariot to stand still. This is the eunuch. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and baptized him. Now when they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. So the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Listen, man. Philip set himself up to have an encounter with God where he's translated. I mean, he's he is, he's disappeared. Imagine that eunuch. He's standing there, he's getting baptized. Like, Hallelujah, Philip. He turns around and says, like, oh, snap. He's gone. 
Imagine the testimony this guy has when he goes back to Ethiopia. He's like, you won't believe what just happened to me. You won't believe it. And he sh- I mean, the confidence that he must have, because who can, t- who can take that away from him? I don't care what devil, what family member, I don't care. The reality is that man came back burning. He's like, listen, I went down to Jerusalem to worship. On the way back, I met Jesus Christ. I heard the gospel, got baptized. And then I saw this brother disappear. And imagine Philip. He's arriving in Azotus. He's just there. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is the way it works, huh, Jesus? Let's do this. <laughs> I'm going to keep preaching and keep preaching to every city until he gets to Caesarea. Listen, man, we, we, enter, we enter into this life of adventure with God. Not to have, you know, thrilling times, but again, souls matter to Jesus. If, if souls don't break our hearts, if we're not concerned about the souls of other people, man, it's time for us to really examine our hearts. Now, there's some people here in this church that can help you evangelize better and just equip you and how to share your testimony. So that's not an excuse. Us staying back and not really stepping forward to our neighbors, to the people in our world, man, what are we really saying about Christianity? What are we saying about Jesus? Because we're the ones that are supposed to reflect his heart. We're the church. We're the called out ones who are supposed to reflect what his heart looks like. Just as he said, if you see me, you see the Father. So when you look at the church, you see Jesus. And if you don't see Jesus, there's something missing there. And this is why for us, you know, it's nothing wrong with going back and just just repenting once again. Because we should be an active witness, no matter what we're going through. You think about Paul and Silas, like I mentioned someone earlier. They're in the prison. They've just been beaten. And they're worshiping God in this prison cell. And God is setting them up to preach to the Philippian jailer. To share the good news. And then his whole household gets saved. So we can't let our lives, the things that are happening with us, keep us from the real goal. The enemy is going to highlight our issues, our lack of money in our bank accounts, our lack of whatever. Because then we get caught up into that and we forget the whole goal, the reason why you were born again. It's not a fire escape. You're here for a divine purpose. And this early church really caught it. They're saying, my God, this this is what it's about. Peter with Cornelius, the woman at the well with Jesus. You know, Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch. God challenges to develop a sensitive heart. Someone once said, when you really get right with God, it'll take backsliding not to be a soul winner. When your heart is really right with God, you'll have to backslide not to win a soul. This is what happens. We may think at times we're right with God because, you know, we've, 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 we've sown our tithes and we've come to church and we've sung some songs. But the reality is there's people dying, going to hell all around us. We've got to grow some. We've got to grow some, get some boldness. 
and not let fear dictate or our lack of understanding. Think about this. This man still had, D.L. Moody, 38 grammatical errors in his last letter. But D.L. Moody rocked the world. And there's plenty of uneducated men who didn't have a degree who have changed the world for the gospel. So it's not about that. Fundamentally, it's probably about fear of man, about your reputation. About you holding on to some reputation that, honestly, God doesn't even care about. As a matter of fact, Philippians 2 says, make yourself of no reputation. Forget about your reputation. Because if you hold on to that, you will never preach the gospel with boldness. You will always be afraid because you'll be concerned about what people think about you. You'll be concerned that someone's going to call you a bigot or he's going to say these things about you. That you're not tolerant. We're passing through this life. this This is a pilgrimage. Our citizenship is in heaven. So for us, man, we got one shot, man, to bring in as many souls as we can. So when we we see Jesus face to face, we're not, you know, we're not ashamed. I heard this story about this man. He was a believer for 25 years. He was dying. And um, a pastor went to go see him. And he's like, man, pastor, I'm not afraid to die. But I am ashamed. Because I wasn't a better witness of Jesus Christ. He wasn't afraid to die. He was afraid to see the, his Lord and Maker empty-handed. So, man, this whole life was about me. I mean, my, about my bills. About all these other things. But it never really was about heaven's agenda. About preaching the gospel. And look at what Philip does preach to him. This is in verse 34. I ask you, uh, so the eunuch answered, after the, he's reading the scriptures about Jesus Christ in Isaiah 53, he says, so the eunuch answered, Philip said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of, him, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. So for us, one of the challenges as well is to get our message straight. There's a lot of messages out there that are not really the gospel. There are versions of it. But he's preaching Jesus to him. He's preaching Christ the person to him. And Isaiah 53 talks about this. That all all of us have gone astray like sheep. And that he bore the iniquities of us all. So he's he's letting the, the Philippian eunuch know, the Ethiopian eunuch know, hey, dude, you're a sinner. You got, you got to get this right. You, you're a sinner, bro. This is the reality of it. But there's a man who took upon your iniquities upon himself, who died for your sins and was buried. So you don't have to live in guilt and shame anymore because all of that has been buried. All your past has been buried with him. But guess what? It gets better. He's alive. He's alive. And we have this hope because he's alive. Because the death couldn't conquer him. So he's preaching to this, you know, he's preaching to this dude, and he's like, "Man, where's?" He's like, "What did he say?" He's like, "Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, "See, here is some water. What hinders me from being baptized?" And then Philip said, "If you believe with all your heart, you may. If you believe with all your heart, brother, you can get baptized right now. Not if you so you give your tithes. Not, no, no. If you believe with all your heart right now, you could be saved." You could be baptized. So we have a, 
really look at the message that we have. Is the message curtailed to cover us? Because we don't want to offend anybody. Because that's what people do. They'll add in a whole little, little extra, you know, little softener in it so that when they preach this message, their reputation is unscathed. You're a good person. And they'll never really hear the gospel. They're hearing an offense-free message because of your reputation. When they need to hear the reality, they need to hear the truth. Listen, most times, listen, what we hear, when was the last time you heard a message on hell from the pulpit? When was the last time you heard people preaching on the realities of hell? Well, Jesus talked about that. He made sure he understood that these people needed to understand the terror of the Lord. Let's, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm just getting warmed up, but I know I don't have a lot of time. Listen, there's, there's, there's a part of the message that we need to have that includes hell, that includes judgment. Because these people think that Jesus is some sort of Santa Claus. Now, he's just going to come and he's going to, whatever I ask him to, you know, whatever I ask him in his name, he's going to give it to me. You know, come on, Jesus. What are you talking about? What happens to submission to the king? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. Look at the aim of the soul winner. Therefore, we make it our aim whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. What is the motivation? Man, you guys are to get right. There's a terror of the Lord. We persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust our well-known in your consciousness. So listen, there is a knowing the terror in these men. Somehow, God has given them a revelation that hell, that there's a terror waiting for these people who don't know God. They're fearfully preaching to them. Out of, and then you keep reading, it's out of, out of love. It is out of love. They're like, man, man. You, they're, they're, it's out of love because they know that if they don't turn... There's this place that is real, as real as heaven, that they're going to go to. And for us, part of us developing a sensitive heart is understanding that that's part of the message. Because that's part of the reality. This is where thousands and millions of people go to every year. Millions of souls. And the scriptures are clear that God does not desire that anyone will perish. But all will come to the knowledge of the Son, to the truth. So he's assigned us, he's given us the task with the Holy Spirit to testify of Jesus. We're compelled out of the love of God and because we know the terror. Listen, sometimes that's why I tell people, you need to think about when you were born again. Real hard. Real hard. Because sometimes people forget how they were born again. And when you, when you really meditate how you were born again, how you were brought into the kingdom, you'll get a good, good ounce of fear in you. Because you're starting to realize it had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with me. My good works. It was God himself coming to rescue me. And I, I, I'm exhibit A. 
exhibit A, 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 triple A over here. I'm saved in a basement job interview. After I had made a vow that I would never step into a church again. That was my vow. I would never step into a church ever again. So the Holy Ghost is like, okay, I guess I have to get you in a job interview. And he did. But I think about that moment and the fact that prior to that, every moment that he preserved me where my life could have been taken from me. And I was going to enter into a reality into a place, my God, a terror that should just break our hearts for those who are in our lives, who are struggling, who are in their sin. So part of this is us really getting past our issues, guys, because you can live your life just thinking about your issues, about when am I going to get my blessing. And we don't understand that part of our blessing is in our inheritance, in the same, it's these people. These lost people around us. That's part of our inheritance. This is how we keep the fire burning. Christianity is boring because we've dropped the ball. Jesus hasn't. I don't think Philip is bored. Philip has just been moved to another city supernaturally. He's like, this is the bomb. Is this what it's about, God? Now, of course, persecutions come, and they're going through that. But get, the key was, in the midst of that, they're preaching the Word of God. This is the, the, the habit of the, of the early church. And I want to challenge all of us, including myself, because this is one of these messages that I want to be very clear about. The Holy Ghost is very clear. that This is about me, too. So sometimes I come up here, and you know, I want to be clear that you guys understand I'm not sharing this because I'm fully walking this myself. I want to get here too. I don't remember the last time I was translated. I wish I would have been translated from Florida to Chicago about a week ago. Maybe I should have preached the gospel. It would have been, the whole family would have been back in the living room like, what's up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's the way it would have worked. But sometimes we do miss opportunities. And I tell you right now, God is, is after these people. He's after them, man. He's preparing the heart of the sinner right now. He's just looking to who's willing, who is willing to have his heart prepared to run into these people. Because he'll set it up perfectly. I mean, that's what happened to us in Florida. We got set up through hardship. But praise God for the hardship. We got to, to love Alanis's father. He needed to know the love of the Father, and he got it, and it changed him. And I thank God for that. I might have had to pay, you know, $3,000 for a transmission. But the Lord is already going to, he's going to bring all that back and some. The goal is that soul. Before I left to Florida, he told me, you're going to have a divine conversation with him. And in the midst of all that happened with my van, I was like, I completely forgot about it. That's so funny. I completely forgot about that. I was like, my van, my van. I got to go wash some cars. I got to go get another job. I go, oh, man. In the midst of all that, I'm thinking about who's, 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 how do you highlight it? It's Jose. Jose's forgetting the message. And then he had to remind me while I was there, oh, yes, you're doing something divine. Something that's worth it all. 
that one soul is worth it all to Jesus. For us, that's what we need to understand, the value of a soul, the people around us. And just just give, our, give ourselves up to him to develop this kind of sensitivity. Again, the Spirit's desire is to testify of Jesus, John 15. And uh, I think if that's the Spirit's desire, that should be our desire. If he comes to testify of Jesus, this is where we say, man, Lord, I want to have that same desire. I want to be that soul winner who's being prepared for the sinner. Amen? Amen. So I'd like to pray um, right now and just for all of us, including myself. I really feel this is part of, as a community, that we need to embrace um, because it is wonderful to grow in relationships with each other, but there is a dying world around us, and they need to hear the good news. It is good. You are a recipient. You're here because of the good news. So who are we to not keep this good news from other people? If we have some fears, man, let's bring it to the altar. If you're concerned about your reputation, bring it to the altar. Let the Spirit of God deal with that thing. Because it's keeping you from really experiencing Christ. Some of you, you know, are missing out on being translated. End up in Puerto Rico like, (laughs) you know, the reality is we cut ourselves off from the life that Christ purchased for us. This is not it. If you're satisfied with this, which is coming here on a Sunday afternoon, seeing each other, giving each other high fives, yeah, yeah, we're going to eat afterwards, right? Yeah, me and you, yeah. If that's, if that's what you're satisfied with, we're missing it. This community is a dangerous community because we have the Word of God. We have the message that changes everything with us. So when we launch out of here, man, we, we go preach the gospel. Yeah, we're transitioning, but we're going to preach. And we're going to preach until we see healing, signs and wonders. Until the message is purified, because God never leaves a surrendered and purified vessel unused. Someone who's willing to surrender and allow the Holy Spirit to cleanse them, he does not leave that person unused. He's going to use that person. He's going to use that person. Because that person is going to have such a sensitivity to the Spirit that he's going to run. He's going to be just put in front of the sinners. And they're going to be ready. And it's not going to be your great speech. (laughs) It's going to be the Holy Spirit who brings the conviction, who brings them into the kingdom, who testifies of Jesus. For me, man, I'm not satisfied. One of my life verses is Psalm 1715. I shall be satisfied when I awake in his likeness. And when I look at Jesus, he's a soul winner. And it says, he says, follow me and I will make you. Come on, somebody say it. Fishers of men. So the reality is following him means there's a transforming work that follows that. To truly follow him, you become a fisher of men. And if that's not happening, who are you really following? We have to ask yourselves these questions. And this is not to condemn you. We want reality, real Christianity. We want Jesus to reign. We want the kingdom to be advanced. We're not interested in religion. I came out of religion. I had 16, 17 years of religion when I was a young boy. I saw it. 
And when I said yes to Jesus, it's because I wanted reality. And though I'm not perfect, I'm striving for his likeness. And as a community, this is what we want. Amen? Father, I thank you so much. God, it's clear that every Christian should be an evangelist. Every Christian has been loaded. Every Christian has a stick of dynamite. The word of God in them. The seed, the incorruptible seed of God. That we are born again by. So I pray, Jesus, for every soul in this room who claims the name of Christ. The Lord, there will be boldness and a purity of heart, God. That the agenda that they've exalted above your name, above your purposes, would be laid aside. And that Jesus, they would preach, this is Paul told Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word. I pray for just hearts that are recklessly abandoning self. They're not concerned about their reputation. They're not concerned about their jobs. They're not concerned about, God, they can trust you with these things. God, you've never abandoned those who fully surrender to you. You take full responsibility for the soul who surrenders to you, God. So we thank you right now. I pray that this message would stick in deep into our hearts, that cross-culture would be a community that is not afraid and not ashamed of the gospel, as Paul said. I am not ashamed of the gospel. And I want you guys to declare that even now. Confess that. I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation to anyone who believes. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And if you feel even today that you've been shamed, if you feel like you've been carrying shame, you've been afraid to share the gospel because of fear and of reputation, I want you to just raise your hand. I want you to be real with the Holy Spirit. You're not being real for me. You're with the Holy Spirit. Because God wants to deal with that thing. God wants to deal with that thing. Because it breaks God's heart. That how much he's invested his heart towards us that we would be ashamed. Holy Spirit, for every person here who's raising their hands. God, I even raised my own hand. Help us. Drive out the fear of man is striving for our own reputation. Holy Spirit, come. Cleanse us, God, of this filth, of this thing that just defiles us, that does not glorify your name, Holy Spirit. Give us boldness, God. Renew a boldness in us to preach the gospel for those who are lost and going to hell. God, may your love compel us to to declare your word. Help us not be low to sleep by the affairs of this life. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I pray for my brothers and sisters who are not here, who belong to this body. I pray that you would stir them up. You would stir them up, God. Convict and do whatever you have to do, Holy Spirit, to bring this community. May we be uh, the edge of the sword, God. May our swords be sharpened. Not dull, but sharpened. As we preach the word, we thank you for it. We thank you for cities, 
neighborhoods that are affected by change. I pray for divine assignments even now that you would place in your people's hearts assignments. If it's one person, if it's a block, if it's a, if it's a family, God, whatever it is, God, you've preordained us to walk into works. There are works that you've predestined us for us to walk in. And I pray for sensitive hearts, sensitive hearts, God, that we don't miss it. That we don't miss it. Even like these ladies who are giving birth, Soon, I pray that God, they will preach the gospel to these nurses. God, I pray for divine appointments. But even in their pain, God, may the love of God compel them to preach. Jesus, we thank you, God. We don't want to let pain and distractions and other things keep us from what we're called to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.